Good morning. I'd like to invite you to stand. And together we lift up our voices. We're going to sing a new song. This is Amazing Grace. You've heard the choir sing this many, many times. The choir is going to be mic back here in the choir loft. And we're going to lift up our voices together as we sing. This is Amazing Grace. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Verse 2. Who brings out chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Pastor Taylor, you want to open us up in prayer? Amen. It is good to see each of you in the Lord's house this morning. I look out here and I see a number of snowbirds have re returned. And I love to see that as you've come back from Florida or Arizona or wherever it is that you went and enjoyed uh, a nice balmy weather throughout the winter months. And we survived. We're still. You came back and we're here. Uh, we made it through the snowstorms and the who knows what, the sub-zero temperatures. And now we're all enjoying a beautiful Sunday. It's, wasn't it gorgeous this morning as you're coming into church? Uh, I just so am happy to see sunshine. <laughs> we have had our share of overcast. Pardon? No winds today. No winds today? I think it's just calm. Okay. All right. Because I kind of like the wind. Sandy doesn't like the wind. I don't like it when it's blowing like water off the patio. I don't like it when it moves my hair. See, and I like to feel it at nice breeze. 
Let's open up with a word of prayer. All set? Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the way you bless us, the way you watch over us. We do lift up uh, families in our church, individuals. We, We think of patients who's in the hospital with aneurysm. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to heal her and bring her through this time as she's in intensive care. I pray that you'd be with her parents and her siblings. Just ask for your healing hand to be upon her. We thank you that you love us and we rest and trust in that. Please be with us as we worship you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. And as you're seated, we're going to continue to lift up our voices by singing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A mighty fortress is our God.
together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing he will hold me fast Jesus calls, we'll lay down all our heavy burdens. 
I'd like you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, and turn to the book of Genesis. <clears throat> We're going to start out this morning in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read for you verses 1 down through 6. The title of my message this morning is, Why All the Suffering? Why do we find suffering? Why do we find the weary traveler, as John's saying about this morning? Why do we find those who struggle? Why is there death? Why illness, disease, war? Why do these things take place in the world we live in? So I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to take you through the scriptures today, and I'm going to answer that question. As a pastor throughout the years, I have most certainly been asked time and time again the question of why. Why somebody's parent passes away, or why a child passes away, or why somebody gets a disease, or why are there wars all around the world and suffering and struggling? And in an individual, personal, one-to-one -one account, I really can't answer the question why one person's individual spouse or child or friend or family member goes through such a difficult and struggling time. I can only give the larger picture, which is what I'm going to give to you this morning, as to why we as a people, why we as the world, are faced with suffering and struggling. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And this morning I'm going to show you that disorder and pain, as well as physical death, spiritual death, all those things are things that root all the way back to the very beginning. The wonderful answer to it all is that God saw, understood, and was touched by the suffering and struggling of all humanity and offers to us eternal hope. And that's where we'll end up this morning. But I want to start us here in Genesis chapter 3. Listen as I read to you verses 1 down through 6. Now the serpent, and of course we know the serpent is Satan. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, fruit of the tr but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof. She ate it and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat also. So we see an event take place all the way at the very beginning, right there at the beginning of creation itself. God had created the heavens and the earth and all the things therein. And in that creation, he created all the beasts, all the living, creeping, crawling, swimming beasts upon the earth. And then uniquely, he created human beings, Adam and Eve, created Adam from the very dust of the earth. And the Bible tells us he breathed into him the very breath of life. He saw that Adam did not have a helpmate as he had created for all the other creatures helpmates. He saw that Adam was alone. And took from him a rib. And there he created Eve. But God had warned Adam and Eve. He had told them, we, you know, I've created for you this idyllic, beautiful world. This garden for you to live in. But do not participate in that one fruit. The fruit of the tree of good and evil. And this is where we find all of a sudden the interjection of suffering and struggle in humanity. We find Satan come forth and he approaches Eve and he simply brings to question whether God was honest to her or dishonest. He brings the question 
whether the consequences of disobeying God, rebelling against God, sinning against righteousness, whether the consequences would be real or whether they are fictitious. And Eve steps back and she contemplates this very thing. And she looks at the fruit of the tree of good and evil and she looks and she thinks to herself, while I see other things eating it, it seems to be safe, seems to be good to eat. It seems as though it would be good for you nutritionally, it would make you strong and wise. I think I will participate in this. Even though God had very clearly, of all that was available, the all that was there. And isn't it so true about all parts of our lives? There's so much you can do. But boy, those things you can't do just seem to bark at you, don't they? They just hound at you like that little chihuahua dog. After you knock on the door and you're trying to get away from the house and it just won't get away from you, it just keeps at you. That seems to be how it is. Whatever it is you're not supposed to do is the thing that cries out the loudest for you to do. And that's exactly what happened with Eve. And Satan chooses that as an opportunity, as an inroad. And he just works her and works her until she finally decides, yes, I will. I will ignore God. I'll rebel against God. I'll disobey God and I will participate in this. And like all human beings, she doesn't want to do it alone. So it tells us. That she went ahead and shared that with her husband. And later on in our text, we're going to see that they discussed it. It wasn't a matter that she tricked him. Like she didn't just put a little piece of forbidden fruit in this okay pie and hide it in there so he participated. No, he knew exactly what he was getting into. But he chose to. So what happened? We find that disorder and pain entered into the lives of man and nature. In fact, if you look with me at Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 on down in our text, it says, And unto Adam God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and, uh, and unto dust thou shalt return. So after Adam and Eve had gone ahead and partaken of that forbidden fruit, after they had rebelled and rejected God's righteousness and instead embraced their own desire, God let them know, because of what you've done, you will go back to the very dust of the earth that I rose you from and created you from. Because of your rebellion against God, I have cursed the ground. And by the sweat of your brow, will you work every day of your life just to eat? He said, in fact, because of what has happened and the curse that fell upon the earth, he says, even thorns and thistles will grow. Those things that will hound you and, and chase after you throughout life. So sometimes we look around in the world we see and it is such a beautiful place. It's amazing. But we also know that for all those amazing and beautiful things, there are those things that are struggles and suffering. They're sorrowful. Where did they come from? They came from this single event. Years ago, when I was a kid, my parents, uh, their marriage started to fall apart. I was, I was in my early teens. Their, their marriage had always been really rocky, but... By the time I was a teenager, my sisters were gone and my parents had decided that they were going to go ahead and separate ways. But in that, there was so much conflict, so much. So one of them had decided out of vindictiveness that they would pour sugar down the gas tank of the other's car. And so it was okay until the sugar reached the engine. 
then there was a problem. And sometimes we think that such a small thing, can it really make much of a difference? No, yes, it can. There's so many things in life that we look at and we think, well, it's really not that big a deal, but it is a big deal. So when we look at this text and we see where Adam and Eve chose to look like such a small thing, it's just a piece of fruit. But that small thing represented such a large thing in their heart. And because of it, the curse fell upon all humanity. Romans chapter 8 verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together. All around the world we see suffering and struggling. We see war. We see birth defects and illnesses. We see sudden death. All these things that are hard and harsh. These things all root from that one small event. I thought to myself, you know, maybe what I should do is come up and set up an uh, eight-foot table and do the game that I used to love to do when I was a kid, where you take dominoes and you'd make a, all the switchback curves and all that stuff, and you just hit one domino, and they begin to fall. And isn't it the coolest thing? You can see, and it only took one to trigger them all. That's exactly what we find happened here in Genesis. It only took one moment, one decision, one choice to rebel against God, to reject what he had asked them to do. And it entered into them the domino effect that still today we see in our lives, in our families' lives, in our community, in our world, we see that curse, that sorrow, that struggle, those thorns, those thistles, the sweat of the brow that makes life hard. When you come a little bit farther in our text, we see that not only did disorder and pain fall upon them, physical death came. Do you remember in the text I read to you, Satan said to Eve, you shall not surely die. She thought about that. Maybe she saw the birds fly over to the tree with the fruit of good and evil and peck at that fruit and they flew away and they, did, they surely did not die. Or maybe they see a fruit fall down and, and a deer walk over and, and eat that fruit and look up and look around and it did not die. So she thought to herself, well, I surely will not die. Satan, the serpent, he said I won't die. And in her mind, she chose to believe that God would lie. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 tells us that God cannot lie. It's not that he will not or should not. He cannot. It's against his nature. There are things that we cannot do because they are against the very being of who we are. I can't, I can't right now just launch into flight. In fact, if I tried, if I stood right here upon the precipice, right on the very edge, the edge of edge, and launched myself out, Kathy, would you catch me? <laughs> I can't fly. It's against my design. It's not who I am. I can't do it. God cannot lie. But Eve did not believe that. When we come down to Genesis chapter 2, look with me at verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's what God told Eve. Now she was a doubter. She thought this couldn't be a promise. It will not be fulfilled. Surely I can avoid it. And certainly if I deny it, it can't be real. And that is, isn't it so amazing how many people go through life like that? They think if I do it, if I ignore it, if I deny it, it'll be okay. But it's not, is it? It's kind of like not paying your bills. 
You can go ahead and get that bill in the mail, a little old fashioned maybe. I mean, some of you are thinking, what's a bill? <laughs> it's where they used to actually send you a bill. And you know, there were people who would, they take those bills, they get it in the mail and they put it here and forget about it and go on their way. They get another one and they put it here. Then they get a second notice, they put it here. Get a third notice, they put it here. And then they go out to get in their car and their car is gone. Because they thought, well, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Who's ever going to come here and repossess my car? I mean, I live way out here in the middle of nowhere. They'll never find me. Oh, no, they will. Many years ago, I had a missionary who, I uh, embarrassingly tell you, did not pay his bills. So he came here to do a report. I didn't know he didn't pay his bills. And uh, he was here, he was staying with one of the families in the church, and I got a phone call in my office, and this guy says, is so-and-so at your church? I said, well, actually, he is. He's going to be speaking this Sunday. Love to have you come. <laughs> he came, and he repossessed his van. You see, sometimes we think that just because it looks like ABC will happen, if we just ignore it, if we push it aside, if we listen to the naysayers who say, oh, don't, let you, don't be a goody two-shoes, it won't matter. Listen, it does matter. So we see that Eve went ahead and she looked at this command that God had given and she begins to dismiss it. Hebrews 9.27 says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, after that the judgment. So we ask ourselves, what is death? What is death itself? God had said to Eve, when you partake of that fruit, when you rebel against me, when you decide to sin against me, he said, it's going to cause you to die. Now, did, did Eve bite the fruit and drop dead? No. But in her began the process of death. Death is not something that happens all the time instantaneously, is it? It happens a cell at a time. The day I was born, I started to die. And so did you. There was a time we were in our prime, every single one of us, and, the, and, the, and some of you are there now. But every day, a little piece of us dies. And when Eve rebelled against God, started the process of death. She would return to the very dust that Adam was formed from and the breath of life was breathed into. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 20 and 21 says, All go unto one place. All are of the dust, dust and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? The reality is that death is real. And that at that very moment that Eve chose to rebel against God, so entered into her that chain reaction of one cell at a time, dying, 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 until one day she herself as a whole died. And how do I know that? She's not here. And how do I know that you will die? How do I know that I will die? Because my great-great-great-grandparents aren't here, are yours? It is appointed unto man once to die, as I said a minute ago. Because of that, so passed upon us all this curse. This curse of, of suffering, sorrow, difficulty, thorns, sweat of the brow, and yes, even death. But not just physical death, spiritual death. You see, the scriptures talk to us about that spiritually something happened there. All of a sudden there was a separation between them and God. 
That spiritual death where all of a sudden they need some kind of intervention. Look with me, if you would, at Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of the Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So we find out that there became an instant separation between them and God. In fact, the scriptures tell us that God came down and he came to walk in the garden and fellowship with them in the garden, but they were hiding because they were ashamed. Something had separated them from that presence, that understanding, that fellowship with God. In fact, at that time, God called out. He says, where are you? They said, we're hiding. They had covered themselves with fig leaves to, because they were ashamed, because they were naked. They never knew they were ashamed before. They were in the innocence of like a child. So God slew an animal and made for them clothes out of the leather. And there we're introduced to the truth, the principle that with the shedding of blood is the washing away of sin. And we will see that come to completion all the way at the cross where the shedding of Jesus' blood is for the remission of our sins. All the way from the beginning to Christ. We're introduced to this separation, this sorrow of the soul. Not only a struggle to make a living, not only dealing with illness and death, but a sorrow of the soul passes upon them. A spiritual death. Genesis 4.8 says, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. How long did it take for the suffering to pass from concept to casualty? How long did it take from Satan's lie to Eve that it'll be okay to Cain killing his brother Abel? The two sons of Adam and Eve. Sometimes we think it'll be okay. You know, and, and a little time goes by and we think, man, I dodged a bullet. Not so. So we find here that this spiritual sorrow that fell upon the soul of Adam and Eve as they were separated from God and cast out of the garden. And there you see this. I love the imagery the Bible tells us that he set outside the eastern gate there a flaming sword that went every direction. I like sometimes to watch storms. Does anybody? My house looks out across the valley, across the Adirondacks, and I can see storms coming across the mountains, coming across Lake Champlain. And I love to see that, that rain, and sometimes you can see the lightning crisscrossing through the horizon. Isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful. And here the Bible describes that God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden. And there at the gate, he put that flaming sword, that crisscrossing of lightning, so that they could not enter back in. You and I, because of the sin that goes all the way back to creation itself, because of that, we are separated from God. And we need the intervention of God. In fact, the book of Revelation tells us the consequences of this separation if it is not addressed. Listen to Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. It says, In death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. 
This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We're talking about hell, eternal hell. Every once in a while I hear people say, well, this and this, this that, that's hell on earth. We have no concept when we so flippantly use the term hell. Hell is a place of eternal torment. It's not a place where you, you're hurting and you're suffering, but, but there's end in sight. It is a total separation of God with the suffering of that separation, even as a flaming pit forever and ever more. So when we start to talk about why, we have to go back and understand that for every act, there is a consequence. And the act of Adam and Eve brought about the consequence of suffering and struggling that still today throughout all of our lives, we face. But does that make it easier? When I sit down with that family who, who their child has passed away and they look at me and they say to me, Pastor, why? I don't ever say to them, because Adam and Eve sinned. Because that is no comfort, is it? When I sit down with somebody whose mom and dad who have reached that age and they have passed away, I don't ever answer them and say it's because of the sin of Adam and Eve. Even though that is the truth. Their suffering, their hurt is a little closer. And so I explained to them, I, I, can't, I can't give you that answer for why you, at this moment, in your personal life, why you have encountered this. But I can tell you that God will walk through this valley with you. I can tell you that you are not alone. I can tell you that God loves you and will not leave you nor forsake you. I can tell you that throughout the suffering, He is there. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, God didn't just turn his back and walk away. He came to the garden and he called out, are you there? He knew where they were. He's God. He was reminding them that they're hiding. And for you and I in the midst of whatever suffering, whatever struggle, whatever circumstance, whatever loss, He's there. He's calling out to you too. He's beckoning and wooing that you would come. That you would simply come to him. That he might there meet you where you're at. For Adam and Eve, he intervened. Slew an animal. Made clothing for them. He wanted them to see that I will address your sin and I will walk through this valley with you. And in your life, he is there. It doesn't negate the fact that there is pain and disorder. It doesn't take away the fact that spiritual death is a reality for every one of us. It doesn't remove the fact that there is a spiritual separation. As long as we ignore and rebel against God, we are separated from God. But the reality is, all the way at the beginning, he not only introduces us to sin, he introduces us to redemption. Look with me, if you would, at Genesis chapter 3, and listen to verses 14 and 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now for you and I that connect the Old Testament to the New Testament, what God is saying to Satan here, is he saying to him, you are cursed. And you will be 
punished. He says, one day you may bruise the heel of mankind, humankind, Christ himself on the cross. But what did he say? He shall bruise your head. He will have victory over death. He will have victory over the consequences of your deception, your lie, your manipulation of mankind. And in you, they will see the power and victory of Christ as Christ gets victory over death. So we go all the way back to Genesis to find the plan that God had. That he himself, through the line of Mary, all the way back to David, all the way back to Adam, through the line of humanity, so would come that sacrifice that would crush the head of Satan. You and I today, when we look at the suffering, the struggle of the world, we understand that there is hope. From the very beginning, God made it clear there is hope. It doesn't take away the, the consequences of the curse that fell upon all humanity. But it reminds us that God so loves us that he gave his only begotten son. Christ's work foretold all the way back in Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Look with me, if you would, at Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 on down. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, <clears throat> he also brought of the firstlings of his flock. And of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel. And to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering. He had no respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. What you find here is all the way back in Genesis chapter 4. We find this teaching. This reference to the shedding of blood. The sacrifice for humanity. For sin being acceptable to God. But you can't create your own. You can't just decide, well, I don't, I don't like uh, animals. I don't like, I don't like the idea of sacrificing an animal. I'd rather sacrifice a carrot, a cucumber, a broccoli. And so Cain came and he, he set up an altar and he got it all set. Maybe he had some beautiful oranges and a banana. Maybe he had his very favorite uh, asparagus. Who knows what he had there? And it did not please God. Because God had made it plain. All the way back with Adam and Eve's sin. What did he do? He slew an animal. He shed blood. He made, he made garments to cover their sin. Adam and Eve had taught their two boys. Cain and Abel. But Cain didn't want it to be that way. He didn't want it to be God's way. He wanted it to be his way. And still today we see among human beings... People who say, I don't want it that way. I don't like it that way. I don't want to do it the way the Bible says. Let me create my own. And we have seen religion after religion after religion after religion created. Where they wanted to create their own. But just because we want it doesn't always make it so. Does it, mom and dad? Just because little junior or juniorette wants it doesn't mean that it is. They can cry. They can pout. They can stomp. They can flail around on the ground. See, for me, that just, that puts it in stone. It's not happening now, buddy. <laughs> you might have had a chance with a little persuasion. And maybe one little tear that's genuine trickles down. That can really melt my heart. But once I see that arrogance, that tantrum, that, oh, all of a sudden the steel comes up. And man, I can, I can stand against a lot. So when you look at this text, you understand that God looked at Cain and he told him, 
He said, why are you angry? What are you angry about? You knew. And that's when it goes on and it tells us that Cain was so angry that in the field he killed, he murdered his brother. Why is there sin? Why is there suffering? Why is there murder, death, war? Because of the events that took place in the very first few chapters of the Bible. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You and I, we put our faith and our trust into the plan of God. From the very beginning, if we would but trust in the shed blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, the Bible says. We put our faith in Christ, the sacrifice on Calvary, the price paid for our sins. It's not because we're good. It's because God is good. And we, by faith, look to him for forgiveness. Romans 8, 22 and 23 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the reception of our body. What that text is referencing is you and I as Christians. We also, we live in a cursed world. We also face the struggles, the suffering, the sorrow. We face it every day and within us we groan. But the difference is we have hope. For the very Christ who began a good work within us will fulfill it himself. We put our faith, our hope, our trust in the plan of God, and there we rest. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ, if you've never accepted the plan of God that he paid for on Calvary for you, today, today, choose. Choose to come and put your faith in Christ. Choose today to turn from rebellion and sin, the lies of Satan, and accept, accept instead the righteousness and forgiveness of God. Why do people suffer? We suffer because of the domino effect that came upon all humanity. What do we do when we face that? We turn to a merciful God. Who loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. A merciful God who loved Adam and Eve so much that he came to the garden and called out to them. Even though he knew they had rebelled against him. We turn to a merciful God. Who took the time to say to Cain, Cain, why are you angry? You know. You've been taught. You understand. Why are you angry? God cares about you. He cares about me. He wants to walk through the valley, the shadow, the, the struggle of life with us. But we must turn to him. We must turn to him. Whatever it is that is going through your life at this time. You must turn to him. You cannot undo the curse. The curse is done. It will pass to every generation until the end of time. But we individually can turn to the God who loves us so much that he was touched by our suffering and our sorrow. And he had a plan in place for us to have eternal life. Turn to him today. Let's bow our heads as we come to the end of our service. And as we bow our heads, I simply ask you to look in your heart and understand that God cares. Just as he cared about Adam and Eve being ashamed and hiding. Just as he cared about Cain and Abel, both on two different paradigms spiritually. Just as he cared about the nation of Israel 
when they were under the bondage of Egypt. He cares about you. And he wants to help you. He wants to walk through it with you. As you look in your heart this morning, are you turning to him? Father in heaven, we come before you. And Lord, how I wish that it had been so. That Adam and Eve had believed you and remained in righteousness. Who knows what the world would look like today. But sin entered the world. And death by sin. Lord, I pray that you'd be with our church this morning. Whether here, present, or online. I pray that each and every one of us would rest and trust in you. If there be one person here that's never accepted you into their heart, called upon you for forgiveness and eternal life, I pray that this morning they would do that very thing. We thank you that our hope rests in you. I thank you that whatever we face, what, whatever trial, whatever thorn presses us in our life, you are there. And I pray that you would help us as we go forth this morning. That we bring with us the hope of Christ. A full understanding and recognition of why there is suffering in the world. But a full understanding that our hope rests in you. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I believe John has a verse for us. And then we are dismissed. What a fellowship, what a joy divine meeting of the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine leaving of the everlasting arms. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.